cage for hours. Please. Greetings and salutations, this is Cage's Kiss, the ultimate cage cast, where we discuss the life and masterpieces of the national treasure, Nick Cage. Also, we will be trying to glean any cagey wisdom we can to help resolve your life issues. I'm Donnie. I'm Linda. And I'm Adrian. Today, we will be reviewing his first gig as a possibly coked up Nick Cage, or Nicholas Coppola rather, in Best of Times, as well as his silent but powerful appearance in Fast Times at Ridgemont High as <laughs> Brad's Bud. Oh, what cagey wonders await us today. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> there are some wonders at that. Yes. <laughs> Given this is our first episode, there's a lot of background to go through, and I'm just going to try to power through it and get through it as quickly well, as possible. Before yes, I begin, I got to go and get ready for that. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too, eh? Alrighty. Power through it. Power through. All right. Power for the unbreakable bottle. <laughs> oh. Bruce Willis one? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to die in a <laughs> Willis's kiss will have to wait for another time. <laughs> but yes, power us through. So, power through. Uh, let me first say that I, I hope that all three of our listeners appreciate the research I've done. Because, as I've said before, uh, I, I feel like with all this research, I stared into the mouth of madness. And in my very vivid nightmares, Nick Cage stared back. So um, I really feel like this may be less of a podcast about the national treasure that is Nicolas Cage and more like a documentary about the unraveling of a woman. Oh, so... <laughs> I've unraveled a woman or two in my time. <laughs> oh, By the end of this, this whole series, I, I, I may just be just a fucking mess. So we'll, we'll see. All right. So yeah, um, well, Nicholas Cage is like the leprechaun, you know. You can invoke him and such. But should you? <laughs> Does he feature Jennifer Aniston? <laughs> we can hope not. She's done better. She believes. She believes. <laughs> All right. So powering through. Here we go. <clears throat> okay. Uh, obviously, I have to talk about the family. One of his paternal great grandfathers was Francesco Penino. And uh, I just love Ooh. saying that. So if I can, once again, Panino. But not okay. a Panini. <laughs> I'd like to link cuisine, Francesco Panino. Panino. Um, he was a composer from Naples. He was offered a job as a composer for Paramount Studios, but he turned them down because he didn't want his kids to grow up in Hollywood. Which, uh, unfortunately, this story is a little close to home, because as Donnie knows, I was, uh, well, mom and dad were approached by an agent who wanted to represent me when I was a kid, but they didn't want us to grow up in Hollywood and be Hollywood brats. So, you know, that's cool. I could have been a star. Yeah, could have. I'm a trained actor reduced to the status of a bum. <laughs> it's like, I want to represent your daughter. I want to put her in pictures. 
But Why don't cool. you just sign a few forms over here in my van? <laughs> <laughs> he seemed like a nice enough guy. <laughs> but well, I'm back in the eighties, so. we took strangers' candy. Yeah, Harvey Weinstein was a nice guy <laughs> until he Harvey <laughs> Weinstein you. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the best that, candy up until that moment. Yeah. Powering, power through. <laughs> All right, power through. All right, we so his father <laughs> was Carmine Valentino Coppola, who was a flautist and composer, and he uh, ended up composing many of his son Francis's movies, including Yay. Apocalypse Now, Godfathers Part Two and Three, and The Outsiders. And he studied at Juilliard, much like our patron saint, Dio. Oh. Yay. Yay. Um, Dio, Nick can Cage's you father hear? is August Coppola, who uh, earned a PhD in comparative lit. He also taught comparative literature at California State University, Long Beach, no doubt to the LBC. Uh, he served as Dean of Creative Arts in San Francisco State University, and he's the founder and president of the San Francisco Film and Video Arts Commission. Uh, his siblings and his mother all attribute fa uh, the family's fame and success to August being born first because his younger siblings looked up to him, especially his brother, Francis Ford. In fact, his mother, I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Uh, mother Italia? was pronounced right. <laughs> It's how much size Copeland? I'm just going to assume everything's pronounced correctly. <clears throat> um, thank you. Thank you, Donnie. Uh, so his mother, Italia Coppola, uh, said, quote, if it wasn't for August, Francis would be nothing. Wow. <laughs> she also said, quote, if Francis had been my first son, the family wouldn't be this famous today. August is brilliant. I thank God he was the first. End quote. Francis ain't shit, I tell you. It's Augie. Augie all the way. <laughs> Are you sure this isn't the De Laurentiis You hear me, family? Francis? You hear me talking? <laughs> it's all for you, Augie. Okay. <laughs> uh, Augie, the power behind the throne. <laughs> so, yes, yes, the uncle is Francis Ford Coppola, who wanted to be just like his brother. And I got another quote for that. Uh, he said, Yay. Francis Ford said, quote, my whole beginning in writing started in copying him, thinking that if I did these things, I could be just like him. I always wanted to be just like him. I always wanted to be handsome and smart and a ladies' man like Augie. My father had talent and my brother had talent. I didn't. The issue of talent was an important thing, but then I realized that you don't have to have talent. You just have to have a lot of enthusiasm. So there you go. Francis Ford, enthusiasm, Coppola. Yeah, enthusiasm. <laughs> August. I'm going to make you a big boy now. It's going to be wicked. <laughs> August, being a uh, typical com comparative lit professor, took Nick and his brothers to uh, art house movies instead of, um, you know, the typical Sexploitation. Movies, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> instead of Francis Ford Coppola movies. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, he took him to see the good stuff. <laughs> um, Never and, mind what your uncle does. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he encouraged them to pretend to be characters in uh, classical novels and create their own chapters. And uh, that's kind of what he he did later, which fueled his success. Uh, while his dad had a lecture uh, tour of the U.S., 
Nick briefly lived with his uncle and his family in uh, San Francisco. And he seemed to write his own chapter for Wuthering Heights, equating himself to Heathcliff. He said he had a strange relationship with money and he just saw this um, inequality behind his uncle and his family being so goddamn loaded and his family scraping by in fact like he had to he had to uh work hard to earn money just to go to the prom and so um it was revenge that fueled his ambition so uh without francis and we know from today's film that he made it to that prom too yeah and i Uh, think for clarification it's heathcliff the author not heathcliff the cat Heathcliff the character. <laughs> Nicholas Cage in the whole gang in the junkyard. <laughs> He's no Garfield. But I would like to think it was the cat. <laughs> Garfield is superior a, anyway. I have the best of times running without sound right now, by the way. Why? Because <laughs> he well, likes well, nightmares. To remind me of the glory that is the best of times. Now, uh, finally with the family, um, his mother was Joy Vogel saying she was a dancer and choreographer. Unfortunately, she suffered from schizophrenia and uh, she was institutionalized and given shock treatment multiple times throughout her life. And uh, this is clearly something that's traumatic for any child growing up with that and, you know, having to visit her in these institutions. But he says that it gave him a uh, quote unquote depth of emotion and insight and sensitivity that he doesn't believe he'd have otherwise. But uh, a little fun story about uh, his mom was while she was with a dance company, she received an autographed picture from the uh, the actor Robert Mitchum. Oh, holy crap. Message to Joy, love and kisses, Bob. Oh. And when she Big got... Big bad Bob Mitchum. <laughs> when she got angry with her husband, uh, August, she'd use the picture to say that She'd use it as evidence that Nick Cage was really Robert Mitchum's son. And he wasn't Nick's father. (laughs) (laughs) She admitted later that she that it wasn't true. And uh you know, just looking at pictures, it's it's pretty obvious that August is his his real father. But uh Nick Cage still says that it it seemed to create like a rift and an edge between him and his father. So they always had that between them. And he was always looking for, um, for uh, support from his dad and, um, and approval, but he never really got that. So does that give um, us our first recast? Like what if Nicholas Cage had been in night of the hunter? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Story of a uh, right hand, left hand, yeah. <laughs> leading on the everlasting arm, pretty much. Your mother's a whore. My mother's a saint. <laughs> <laughs> now, on to his origin story as an actor. Um, he was bullied at school really bad by a couple bullies at the school. And so one day, Perfect. he borrowed his brother's cowboy boots, put on some sunglasses and some skinny jeans, and he told them that he was Nikki's cousin and that if they didn't leave him alone, he would beat them up. And they left him alone. 
(laughs) Because they were really dumb. (laughs) Well, you know, they're kids. So, uh, and and there was another incident with uh, a neighborhood bully who would beat him up and beat up his brothers. And one day, Nick had enough. So he decided to literally Hulk out and channel the spirit of the Incredible Hulk. He he took off his shirt, screamed, and literally like chased him off. <laughs> he never bothered him again. Cage so- power! <laughs> Cage powers activate. He uh, <laughs> discovered the power of acting. And uh, the rest is history. Are you sure this isn't like Tommy Wiseau ghost writing? Because it really I mean, sounds like how he did the neighbors. Aren't they really it the really same explains person? Every Nicolas Cage performance ever, too. It's like this movie's really scary. I know. Couldn't that be <laughs> the most powerful thing ever, though? If Tommy Wiseau and Nicolas Cage teamed up? Oh my god! I know. Oh my else, god. Yeah, <laughs> that could that be the new Tango and Cash. Yeah. <laughs> I have been waiting 30 years for a sequel to that. Exactly. <laughs> um, it makes me think of the uh, Oingo Boingo song, Who Do You Want to Be? Like, he just decided who the hell he wanted to be today and just fucking did it. Well, oh, you gotta but, admire but again, it. everything reminds me of an Oingo Boingo song, so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, that's how I conquered my childhood. I just told everybody I was Nicolas Cage and they left me alone. That's true. (laughs) And if you don't leave Adrian alone, I'm going to beat you up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm my own cousin, Nicolas Cage. (laughs) I'm Nicolas Rage. <laughs> you wouldn't like to meet the other guy. Nicholas Ray. My favorite character. <laughs> so, shall we venture into best of times? Ooh, these are the best of times. That was Remember. not the best of times. I literally, not figuratively, but literally hate you for this. <laughs> I, I've watched it like like probably five times now, so I should probably be institutionalized. I would suggest so. People really <laughs> complain about me loving the Star Wars holiday special as much as I do, but at least that had redeeming qualities. Yeah, like Jefferson Starship. Yeah, they did just want to <laughs> set the sky on fire. And be our That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is a cow-shaped object. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Adrian what can you tell us about the best of times well it is an interesting companion piece to fast times at Ridgemont High for a number of reasons Uh, for one thing they're both movies from the very early 80s when it was still basically the 70s Uh, (laughs) and and where the fast times at Ridgemont High is a 1982 really iconic 1980s high school movie with a really dynamite soundtrack uh, the Best of Times is a 1981 uh, TV pilot with uh, some very embarrassing 1970s sensibilities and <laughs> not a good soundtrack by any means, but a lot of musical numbers, including a whole bunch of kids who aren't really actors or, you know, or, or especially not singers uh, doing doing uh, car wash sing alongs to nine to five. <laughs> Crazy, 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 um, and and, uh, and Pat Benatar is a heartbreaker in a jeans store while they skate along on jeans ladders. And there's something about the pioneers in there. 
Yeah, um, denim and pioneers for whatever denim reason. Denim and pioneers, yeah. You know, none of it really makes any sense until you read one of the blurms that explains that it's supposed to be like a teenage laugh-in. Now, I've never actually sat Which through any really laugh-in. Isn't. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's something. Uh, there, there, are, there are things in there that are supposed to be skits, but mostly you get uh, monologues, yeah. which I guess are supposed to be funny, but they're more saccharine. It just really well, was a product of the 70s. Everything was like just little skits made up of jokes. Just one joke, well, you know, move on to the next. Right, yeah, yeah. It's like it, we got in his car, and before we knew it, we'd gone all the way to San Diego. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, we're talking about sex, but we're not. <laughs> yeah, no, and so, the music is literally like that. It's like, yeah, yeah. What can you tell me you know, about the director and the writers? Okay, so uh, the writers, uh, well, let me tell you the names of the writers, because that's all I know about them. <laughs> well, there's Bob Arnott, um, who last name guarantees that he was not. Um, and there's Carol Hatfield uh, Sarason and Lana Sarason, who are related, or there's just a lot of Sarasons wandering around Hollywood or something. Hollywood uh, is lousy with Sarasons. If there's a Hatfield, yeah, there's got to be a McCoy. Like Cohen's or something. Yeah, they're just everywhere. Uh, Don Mersher, though, or Misher, rather. Uh, Don Misher, there, the director. Uh, I, I did look him up. Um, he did a whole lot of TV shows and specials. Uh, he directed a lot of Super Bowl halftime segments. <laughs> Uh, won a lot of awards for a lot of stuff that you and I will never watch. Uh, but uh, his his brush with fame was that he directed the 2004 Democratic National Convention back when John Kerry was running. And uh, for some reason, there was a there was a snafu with the audio where you can hear him directing towards the end. So you get him saying balloons, balloons, cue the balloons, cue the balloons of the confetti, more balloons, more balloons. And and whoever was doing the balloons screwed up Royal because you could kind of see some balloons falling in like one part of the convention there. You know, you can actually see the clip on YouTube from, of this from CNN. And after oh, a while, he's like, God damn it, more balloons. <laughs> <laughs> Where are my balloons? What the heck? And then you got to hear him murder someone. <laughs> well, you know, watching that convention, it's like, yeah, you know, there really weren't that many balloons. You should probably stab somebody. Come at me, Don Misher. <laughs> please, please don't. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, he's pretty old now, right? He may be dead. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah. Physically, he, uh, come at me, Don. He's, he's done stuff pretty recently. Uh, he, he did an Obama thing. Like, I think he won an NAACP award for that. I did an Obama yeah. thing, too. But like like TV directors are essentially invisible unless unless they do like start doing features and Don Misher really didn't ever do that so Don Misher everybody hey no one has ever said the name Don Misher more than us right here right now <laughs> Misher <or not. laughs> there's not a lot to say about anything behind the scenes thank uh, Christ best of times <laughs> no the scenes themselves really speak loud and clear. <laughs> But uh, Nick Cage was discovered in a high school production of Oklahoma, and uh, this guy who discovered him suggested that he auditioned for Best of Times, and obviously he got it. Wait, uh, who did he play in Oklahoma, though? Was he was just a cowboy we- beating the shit out of a scarecrow <laughs> and talking about how awesome it was? <laughs> yeah, he keeps punching that scarecrow. That sounds like one of my nightmares. There you go. <laughs> But he said, quote, 
It wasn't very good, but I still feel proud about it because it was something that happened of its own accord. Oh, it was something it that happened. Job. It happened, all right. <laughs> the family well, he does have lines in it and everything, you know. <laughs> I'm like fast times. <laughs> he said that it uh, it did the job. The family gradually warmed up to me being an actor. End quote. That's all oh. I got. That's kind of like if family. the skit in well, Family Guy, I think, when Ringo Starr does a painting and the Beatles are like, oh, that's very good. We're going to put that oh, right here. Right the song. It's like, we're going to hang that on the fridge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I kind of feel like, yeah, you know, maybe we could groom something. Yeah. We're not talking about, like, maybe Father McCartney. Yeah, he's, but Dad's a happy sort, you know, so like changed the name. Yeah. Well, he kept trying to get work from his uncle, but his uncle was. Being a dick. Are so, in the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then he let him be in Rumblefish. Yeah. Rumblefish. <laughs> now, I haven't seen Rumblefish, to be fair, but I read and saw The Outsiders, and, you know. Uh, <laughs> and you we know. will talk about that eventually. So Francis um, was so good in the 70s. What happened? What have you guys to say about this... Um, Okay, well, the shit show. Well, Crispin <laughs> Glover, for one thing, Crispin Glover, this could not hurt him because he's already a oh, freak, God. which is great, yeah. you know. Even though he has that awful, awful, retarded '70s Sesame Street haircut in this, I think you that know, was just a natural so cut. Precious. That was just him being Crispin I'm, Glover. I'm sure it was. I'm sure he yeah. didn't even need a script. He's just doing him, you know. But it looks like his hair's growing up out of his eyebrows. It was even you know? his mom. Yeah, playing his mom. <laughs> Wasn't she <laughs> the lady on the beach? Oh Chris my god, Bond. I want that to be true, but I don't I don't know. I know there was a Glover in there as well. I'm just wondering if that was her. No, she played his mom. That's right, his mom is Danny Glover. <laughs> Mafia. My god, Glover. No way you live, no way. I honestly don't even think or I just can't accept that this was a TV pilot. I just literally want to believe that one of the actors or actresses said to their parent, I want to be an actress and I want to go and make a promotional video to show my chops. And then all their other <laughs> friends are like, hey, yeah, that sounds cool. We want to do that, too. That's why they all use their real names. And that's why you should never do this or listen to your friends, because none of this made any sense. And if this well, was a right show, it makes I mean, even less they sense. Used, they used all their first names. That's proof that this is actually Dogma 95. Except, yeah, well, like this is one part that kind of made me a little pissed. Uh, a little. The only person who has uh, dialogue and doesn't have a character name seems to be the black kid. <laughs> What yeah. the hell? Oh, that's right. Because that those segments are all about that girl who's hauling the equipment for the band, wanting to be in the band, and they won't let her play along. And at the end, she's good for no reason, even though she's apparently never practiced ever. You know, I give her yeah. credit, though. She's the only girl, literally, that wasn't always going on about guys and dicks, putting on makeup, and shopping no, for right clothes. About that. Yeah, because the other three girls are always in front of the mirror. Yes, they were even putting on and lashes. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's it's very it's very old timey uh, gender relations there. Well, you know, and, like times. he's talking with a girl. That's why the black is, kid had no story. It was simpler <laughs> times. Things were so much simpler back then. If they had a character name, you just had to guess it. You didn't know what it <laughs> racism. was. I would his like name to do him some Millard. sort of justice, and like his name is Mark. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> he now Hi, has Black a Lock name from the best of times. 
Yes, in death, black guys from 1981 uh, TV pilots do have names. <laughs> he may well still be alive. Yeah. He is a real person. As messy I mean, as know, they we... made that kid's room, I would not have been surprised if the Declaration of Independence had actually been placed in that room. Y'all, lemon juice going to bring out the secret message. Y'all. He would have hey, done it. find it in three minutes flat. Exactly. <laughs> well, if you've seen one declaration of independence, you've seen them all. You know, so I think maybe we should we should give a word to explanation to the people who are never actually going to watch this about how Nicholas Cage's scenes are mostly him doing push-ups on the beach and having muscles. And either being juiced up on steroids or introduced to sweet lady cocaine, because there's nothing to explain it other than that's just Cage. Yeah, you and know, he has the this... long 70s blonde hair for some reason, which does not feature his face really well because it makes his nose look enormous. Well, this whole like thing made me think of, um, and I know we talked about this earlier, Adrian, like it was like a an after school special. No, it is. No, and... it's, it's a everything that was intended for children before about 1984. You know, unless it was something theatrical or least, like like Fast Times at Richmond High, you know. Was was like was like Sesame Street type shit. It was like the films you watch in health class. It's like I'm Steve Goodbody, and I'm going to tell you about your immune system and how not to get herpes because we don't have AIDS yet. Yeah, well, I kept expecting him to give Kevin steroids. I know Lisa to develop a, an eating disorder, and I was really disappointed when neither happened. I just this thing fir- needed to become a PSA. Yeah. yeah, I just firmly believe this whole thing is exactly how a migraine feels all the time. This was like a visual <laughs> representation of that in your head. Well, what are you talking about? There's so it's so real though. These teenagers, they're so raw and honest. Like the part where the girls all talking about how there was a screw up in the scheduling of the locker room and they saw the boys' penises. Well, okay, okay well, how penis the girl was talking about like- her dreamy professor. Let's let's go back to that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't shape up, I'm going to fail you. It's not what he said. It's the way he said it. Yeah, she's clam jamming herself, (laughs) thinking about her professor, (laughs) telling her how she's going to fail at life. Well, girls think of nothing else but, you know, like wrapping themselves around some dude who maybe their professor may not be. Maybe the guys in the locker room. That's the lesson here. <laughs> you know, jogging along, eating a Twinkie, thinking about why am I not getting pawed by a guy right now? Oh man, <laughs> guys are wicked hot. I can think of no other thing. Man. That's only when we're run, you know, we're not running and eating. Right. Yeah. Back to all test, y'all. <laughs> Maybe when they were all singing into the gas tubes. And they were huffing the gas. Maybe that explains what happened after the rest of the show. Uh, greatest Nicolas Cage film still ever, by the way, is Nicolas Cage wearing Daisy Dukes, pumping the gas and thrusting, throwing his head back. Oh, but yeah. if you think about it, like if you if you go back to that scene where he's wearing like in, during the car wash, he's wearing the overalls and the. Uh, I'm going to need more the, of this. handkerchief it it looks like he just walked off the goddamn set for the music video of come on eileen either that or the movie cruising (laughs) (laughs) yeah handkerchief fetish announce the world matthew mcconaughey watch is like you know what i'm gonna go shirtless too because he barely wears a shirt in the whole goddamn thing that's true. Yeah, no, he's, he keeps pointing at his at his peck and his bicep and be like, "This is what we would want right here." Yeah, muscles. Well, as he pointed out, he is the best looking man you'll ever meet in your life. So, 
ever, ever. Uh, that that helped a lot when he had like the you know exposed forehead to hide the ginormous schnoz. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I don't understand is like at one point he's saying like he he can't decide between Stanford and Harvard, mm-hmm. but he never got good grades as he says yeah, later. Right? Like, uh, well, there's oh, no surfing at Harvard child. though. <laughs> like, like, uh, you are going to college. <laughs> well, do you remember that? We're like, oh, hey, guys, Evergreen or Caltech? Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, the Ivy League, right? Oh, yeah. And yeah. what 7-Eleven gives kids a tab? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, well that's, that's Jackie Mason. That's his grocery. You know, he got it from his father who got it from his father who came out from the old country. Jackie Mason. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that would make sense with Jackie Mason. Jackie Mason is the only one who didn't have to use his own name. He was Mr. Store yes, Guy. Yes, because he knew sure. what shame looked like. Him and the dog <laughs> were truly the only stars of this thing that never had to look back on it. I so do have who, that who in my notes. Who would have been the uh, special guest star, though, if they'd had another episode? Would they got, like, uh, you know, like Eddie Albert in there or somebody, you know, or Justice E. McQueen, oh. you know? I do have that in my notes. Quote, the dog is too good for this. He was. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, I love that dog. Yeah, I know he's searching for his, his tape player under the dog. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that was an attack. <laughs> that dog felt violated being there. How dare you? And we just watched. Yes, we did. Twice. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're like, we're like the cast of Seinfeld on the last episode of Seinfeld. We're terrible. <laughs> yeah, I wanted an outside opinion, so I had Lucille watch this, and she laughed so hard at the beginning, but until I told her that the Charmin ad was not a joke, that was a legitimate ad, and then she Lucille realized that this was yeah, going to be a terrible. Girlfriend from France. Yes, my French girlfriend. Mon you have a girlfriend. <laughs> she really exists. I actually met her. She does. <laughs> I have no doubt that Donnie has a girlfriend. I've met Donnie girlfriends before. Sadly. Oh, mostly just that one, you know. <laughs> Donnie's old lady. Uh, I'm just saying the that double <laughs> But uh, so, so we don't need to make up sad details about our own lives, though, because we just reference the truth. You know, yeah, we, we don't need like the about, truth, especially with this fiction is far well, better with alcohol. We have the drink. Yes. And, and fiction also, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there's that girl who got into the band wailing on the guitar. She got in there by the dirty trick of answering the telephone and arranging a gig. And at that dance, what the hell is Jackie Mason doing at the school He's dance? Doing the robot. He's the only adult there. <laughs> he already gave away all that stuff for free. He's like, why? Why, why are you waiting so much of that stuff? What are you a teenager? You're not paying for anything. Also, Come why on, is he dancing with kind of teenagers? <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. like, bring the goddamn snacks and GTFO, you creep. Musical numbers in his store, too. He dances along. Yeah. yeah. And you get the shot of Ern- of uh, of Nicolas Cage like really, really eagerly like blowing into the top of the bottle, having a hoe down in the store. <laughs> that musical number mercifully at least doesn't have any words to it. Well, he did give <laughs> yeah. some wisdom. He actually did say something earlier in the show that kind of describes watching the rest of it, which is the best part of the entire thing was just the silence. <laughs> was the silence? Yes. <laughs> no, it's true. It's the world according to Jackie Mason. That's what this really is. Yes. It's like the the original kids bop. <laughs> Basically, yeah. It's like no exit except, you know, like the teenagers are all the tormentors and Jackie Mason is the guy who went to hell. 
in front of the store. Why can't I leave the store? Do I have a lower half? I never come up from behind the counter. And I'll tell you why. Remember me in Caddy Shack too. It has something to do with him being at that dance and dancing with those teens. Uh oh. Guys, I'm gonna dance with some girls. Grab some butts. Who's gonna tell me? It's like that origin story episode of Freddy's Nightmares. Then yeah, this nightmare was mine. I'm going away to the war tomorrow, ladies. <laughs> yes, you can't forget that for your cagey wisdom is that if you ever want to get laid, just tell a girl you're going off to some war somewhere and just boom, My the panties me drop. To Salvador, I'm going to die. I better get laid first, though. <laughs> yeah. If they ask where you're stationed, just say, the war. Yeah, don't you know the war? <laughs> I'm one of those super army soldiers. Yeah. I thought I was in the Air Force, mate. Yeah, it's like, yeah, right. Yeah. Why would they lie to me? One of their own. Uh, like one so, of those guys who tells everybody he was a Green Beret and he was a Navy SEAL. If uh, you haven't seen Best of Times, it is available in full on uh, YouTube. Yeah, it is on YouTube, totally free. Uh, it's I, a lovely VHS rip. I would recommend watching it just to say you did. I would not. But unless you um, have a, a a problem, you're an alcoholic, or for whatever personal reasons you don't want to drink or do any fun sub- substances, I highly suggest that you are not very sober or lucid for this. I also suggest that you're not cool. If you have standards, I would respect you not watching it. But if you're a Nicolas Cage completist, like apparently all of us are, then you are actually required to watch it. A couple times. There, there is no way to get out of it. I have nothing to do with Nick Cage. This is why it's all an experience for me, and I'm just taking it in as we go. I'm just saying, if you hadn't suffered it like the rest of us, you would have to turn in your Nick Cage card. <laughs> Taking in Nick Cage. <laughs> let's let's <me>. not. <laughs> Shall we move on to Fast Times? Yeah, the actually good movie that we're covering this time. <laughs> you know, it's a good movie, and he doesn't say a word. It's just the most silent, powerful performance. Is it a coincidence? It might not be. <laughs> and we go back to uh, Jackie Mason's wisdom there. Yes. Like, hey, hey, what's this? What's this? Am I going deaf? See, he took it to heart. He's like, wow, yeah, the silence. <laughs> um, well, especially after having to listen to some uh, uh, distorted secondhand talking heads, thanks to Crispin Glover. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like elephants. You didn't need to hear it because he was interpretive dancing the fuck out of the <laughs> lyrics to it. I, everything needs to have some Crispin Glover dancing, even if Crispin Glover himself is not in it. You know, at least you can say his dancing hasn't changed. I mean, it's still it as glorious as ever. To himself, he remains true. Maybe that's what all of our scripts have been lacking. Just Crispin Glover interpretive dancing. Like some, oh, yeah. Uh, Crispin Glover Buto in there. I think he's actually I, interpretive dancing outside by the mailbox right now. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to summon him. He just shows up. He's like Robert Blake. He yeah. lost highway. I, I just got these apples. I'm trying to sell them. I mean, you can take them if you want. I mean, don't hassle me or the cops. Uh, I'm not on dope. <laughs> Uh, River's Edge was a documentary. (laughs) (laughs) So, Adrian, what can you tell us about the good movie? Okay, so the good movie, which is also known as Fast Times at Ridgemont High, um, 
which actually is a lot better than I remember it, having revisited it 18 years later now, um, is uh, it's based on a book by Cameron Crowe, who actually went undercover in a high school as a senior, uh, reliving the senior year he never had. He'd already been a music journalist for Rolling Stone. Um, he opted not to include himself in the book, and he just wrote about the people that he dealt with there. And he also uh, wrote the screenplay. The film was directed by Amy Heckerling, who went on to do stuff like the Look Who's Talking movies. Oh, God. Um, yeah, well, you know, the first one's fine, you know. Um, Amy Heckerling also did uh, National Lampoon's European Vacation, which is my favorite National Lampoon's Vacation sequel. It's also the only PG entry in the series, I'm pretty sure. I think so. Uh, yeah. Well. <laughs> and uh, later on, uh, Amy Heckerling also did uh, Clueless. And a TV series adaptation of Clueless. I also did a TV series adaptation of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which was just called Fast Times. And I think uh, submarined her career by making that movie Loser with Jason Biggs. Hmm. Yeah. You know, she she did okay for herself. I would say so. Although I, I, I do think that Fast Times at Ridgemont High was probably her best work. Um, in that, you know, like it's, it's, it's like, it's like a lot of people look at it. It's like, oh yeah, it's one of those uh, rollicking eighties teen comedies where people get stoned to get laid. And it's like, yeah, but it's also like based on like actual observation and journalism. So like, there's like actual, like non cringy drama taking place there, you know, and like the emotions are actually pretty, it also kind of handled abortions a little more maturely too. I really, yeah, that's that's one of my favorite things about this one, because almost every movie, and and ever since it's been legal, there's been tons of them. Yeah. Almost every movie where a woman goes to get an abortion, she goes to the clinic and has an attack of conscience and runs right back out, like in Juno. Yeah, exactly. Like in that that movie, The Job. uh, Like There's a a Streisand movie from the early 70s called Up the Sandbox, where that happens also. Yeah. You know? It's like a woman never gets an abortion in the movie. It's just it's it's a thing that never happens, you know, and yet uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, she just gets it taken care of. We don't even get the beforehand. I'm going to have regrets bit. No, we just get her afterwards where she's already done it. Yeah. You know, just saving this baby out of my puss and we'll be done with it. It's like shit or get off the pot. You went to the goddamn clinic. Just get it. Take it care of. (laughs) Or don't go to the clinic. You know, after she Fun gets uh, knocked up by Damone, you know. <laughs> Fun fact: David Lynch was originally offered the movie, but he said it wasn't really in his wheelhouse. So we but could have had imagine... P the Dancing Fetus. He was offered a lot of random things. He was offered Return of the Jedi. Yeah, and actually, so was Cronenberg. Which, and they're they're probably the two worst people for the job. Just because, like, they're, and they're both too good, you know. I mean, Fast Times is is awesome, but it is awesome. Yeah. God, how badly do you want to see the the Lynch directed version? Well, think about it. I want to see like, it pretty goddamn in eighty two. There's only two David Lynch movies. There's mm. Eraserhead, which people probably just wrote off as an experiment, and there's The Elephant Man, which compared to David Lynch other movies is a fairly regular drama. Oh yeah, period drama. Yeah. You know, it's great, you know, but it's like it's it's almost atypical of him. You know, like you could see it being done by somebody who wasn't him, you know. So they're like, holy mm. shit, look at this guy make this big mainstream movie after doing Eraserhead. <laughs> so they just wrote Eraserhead off. They're like, hey, look, hot property. Yeah. Well, a little background on it. Uh, Nick uh, actually auditioned for the role of Brad, but huh. uh, and he was the only actor All in the right, cast who was, who was uh, <laughs> under 18. 
he lied yeah, and they found out. <laughs> Um, but some sources say that he didn't get the role because the producers found out that he lied about his age and, uh, you obviously can't have somebody underage in this movie. Yeah. Um, like, Back then they didn't care as much, you know. But then other sources say that it's because, uh, the improvised parts of his audition were just too goddamn weird. Yeah, yeah they're too dark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> either one is believable well yeah well just picture it nicholas cage you know mopping the mirror that says big hairy pussy on it saying you know we've been going together a long time and i'm a senior now i need my freedom you know yeah, yeah i'm going to the war while bashing his fist into the mirror go fuck yeah <laughs> i am his father i am his father <laughs> well i mean you know judge reinhold you know he's that guy's got nothing to be ashamed of you know or at least early 80s judge reinhold you know like because he's, he's, he's been in beverly hills cop <laughs> <laughs> well beverly you know that beverly hills cop was the was one of the highest grossing r-rated movies ever it was one of the three highest grossing Ooh. r-rated movies ever like it was, it was made on a, a budget which today at least sounds modest i think it was only around 10 million or and it grossed like a significant portion of 1 billion 1980s dollars wow yeah, which which is insane. I mean, you know. But I thought um, 1980s dollars weren't real dollars. No. <laughs> they were Ronald sense. Reagan was in charge. They were using Monopoly money. <laughs> <laughs> so, there uh, you Nick go Cage again. said uh, that he'd watch Sean Penn and try to get ideas because he was, quote, so good and so confident. Uh, but And Penn went method, too. He made everybody call him Spicoli. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh people they would uh according to nick cage the other uh cast members would demand that nick cage be removed from their eyeline because he was so distracting and he said that they would congregate outside his trailer and chant i love the smell of nick in the morning <laughs> Well, I mean, he is the most goddamn beautiful human being on the earth, right? <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> that cage fill is just too pretty. I say we take him down a peg or two, bro. I can't act with Nick because you know he's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts Anything my heart to my know Nick how beautiful cage Nick is. <laughs> yeah, Phoebe Cates, you know, she had to keep changing dresses just because Cage would walk by and she'd get all wet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had to distribute diapers in the cast. It was a real danger. You know, we brought up uh, gender relations in uh, the best of times, and I and I think uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High really does make a good counterpoint to that. And that you know, you have honest, frank teenage sexuality that doesn't like apologize True. for itself or turn itself into a joke. You know, yeah, like which is something that you can't have anymore, by the way, because officially anybody under eighteen doesn't have a sex drive. <laughs> yeah, unless they're on Netflix now. Unless, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah no i want to binge watch that 10 part show and then in like hour 15 something happens <laughs> is this is this the part where we all admit that we're really old and people should stop listening to us probably i mean all of us being a mirror what uh, what, what should we claim 24 yeah <laughs> i mean it's um... mid-afternoon and we're drinking they can assume we're adults <laughs> but, but but we're from our generation so you're never really an adult anyway so this is true you only act as us, you're expected us, uh, to you never mature right. and and nobody really expects anything of us anyway yes 
I'll drink to that. (laughs) (laughs) So Nick says that they were making fun of him and gave him a lot of shit because, uh, because they were jealous because of, they thought he was there because of nepotism, because of who his uncle was. (laughs) Which is usually a fair assumption. However, most of the, uh, well, many of the cast members said that it was actually because Nick kept bragging that he was going to get famous way sooner than any of they would because of who his uncle was. So it depends on who you believe. So he's totally just brought the whole nepotism thing on himself. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like he, you know, I mean, it seems like he, he came about like what he got in a fairly conventional and honest fashion in that he did two features before he had a starting role. Well, I mean, if he you wants know. to compare himself to Sean Penn and Judge Reinhold, do any of them have a son with Superman's name? Did any of them happen to marry Elvis Presley's daughter? No. I did. Well, <laughs> that's what you did. You married his daughter. Nobody remembers Jennifer Jason Lee anymore. She needs more love, damn it. She was in the freaking Hitcher. You're right. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen her titties. Yeah, oh, right? the 80s. Apparently, uh, in the in the uh, in the pool house scene there, where where she where she gets knocked up in like five scene. seconds by Damone. Yeah, the copulation scene. Apparently, the original version of that take you you saw you saw Damone's penis there. Ah, uh, yes, and then the they, they opted to not to go with it because they were threatened with a 1982 X rating, and and uh, and the actor portraying Damone there, whose name I can't remember, he was grateful. Uh. So he just stood outside of the the theaters and was like, "Want to see it? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to check it out? I got it right here. I also got some tickets right now at a cheap trick. Cheap trick, my penis. Either any takers? Just <laughs> yeah, see the relation, huh? Ah, come on." <laughs> And the part that you get, you get all those great scenes between him and Ratner there. It's like, you know, you're part dweeb, part pussy. Yeah. When you're inside of Damone's bedroom, which has like the, uh, 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 Blondie poster and all that. And I think there's a Springsteen poster in there. Still not as wonderful as the bedrooms in Friday or sorry, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if Nightmare on Elm Street 2, which is the gayest movie ever made. It's gayer than Top Gun. Proudly. (laughs) <laughs> I'm kidding, you can say that. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> little caveat. He can say it, we can't. <laughs> well you can say it because it's pretty freaking gay. I mean Freddie gets inside a guy. He has a girlfriend, but he's always going over to his friend's house who was always in bed shirtless. This is the part where they make each other do push ups, somebody's pants get pulled down to the schoolyard and you see a lot of man ass. And for some reason he's hanging out in a leather bar where his teacher is just cause he just like at night just shows up at a leather bar and then his teacher makes him shower at the gym <laughs> no I questions mean, asked it's a sequel that to cruising it, normal? it was simpler <laughs> times god damn it <laughs> well yeah no gay shit wasn't gay yet back then yeah you know? it's only gay <laughs> if you cut as is evidenced by Nick Cage's character in Fast Times putting the sign I am a I am homo, a homo on, on that back. Yeah, that's one of that's one of three appearances. I think you see him briefly before Brad gets fired at All American Burger. Oh, that national and you see treasure! Brad talking to him at the school one time. And you see him in the uh, the um, uh, the bleachers watching the game. Oh, oh, he's, he was there too. Okay, yeah. yeah. 
Wait, that's Forrest that's one of my favorite Whitaker. parts. The part where Forrest Whitaker's little brother and uh, and and uh, Sean Penn and Spicoli fuck up the car. Yeah, they fuck up Forrest Whitaker's car. I can fix this. My dad's an electrician. It's got an ultimate set of tools. You can't fix this car, Spicoli. <laughs> the little brother, by the way, uh, who was only, I think, in three movies ever, by the way, he's got one of my favorite lines. The part before that where they're driving along and they're both Ruby Stone. And 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 he's like, you see the new Playboy? It's like pretty good. It's like Bo Derek's tits. I like sex. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the scene. <laughs> it's like oh you know I bet he does like sex alright <laughs> I remember sex I like this movie <laughs> <laughs> oh I, I too remember sex oh. it's relatable yes. yeah, yeah. Kind of. God, that was such a great soundtrack you know sex <laughs> you know what that's well, like? uh, being that we're all 24 we have it all the time yes <laughs> not together it makes no. me wish i had no, no, taken no. swimming lessons back at the ymca so then i wouldn't be drowning in all this pussy <laughs> well, if you would have like taken swimming classes back in high school there's a chance that they would have made you do it in the nude yeah, and I would have been molested by the gym and all teacher. The girls would have seen your penis. <laughs> Hi, Brad. You know how cute I always thought you is were. This man, it's the same one from Ameri- the last American Virgin. Oh, <laughs> we oh, all speaking, measured our dicks in high school. Speaking of locations, by the way, in 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 uh, in the the Fast Times at Ridgemont High, that's the same shopping mall from Commando, where Schwarzenegger swings on the uh, inflated things. Oh, fuck. and it's also the same shopping mall from Terminator Two. Well, I mean, it was California. Damn right. Wait, was it also the same one used as the? Uh, what was that La Puente? The one in uh, Back to the Future. Yeah, that was La Puente. It may have been. It was used in quite a few. I mean, any LA area mall is going to get a lot I of use. I looked it up. You looked at yeah, I looked it up too, but I remember everything else. It's I was just I was just watching notes. and I'm like, this sure looks like that mall from Commando, and I was determined. I was on a mission, like gotta find out if it's the mall from Commando. All other concerns are secondary. You were cage driven. I don't know why it should matter to me <laughs> if anything was in Commando. It's like one of the most useless mid eighties Schwarzenegger movies. Well, I mean, he did take on an entire nation in the last 15 minutes of the film. I mean, that's kind yeah, of important. He's got the, the rocket launcher that Ray Don Chong got for him there in the shopping cart. That's probably the best scene where they just robbed the ammo store and then Ray Don Chong blows up the cop car. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to beat Chuck Norris having a bazooka fight with some terrorists. So, I mean, they did what they could. <laughs> it works now. That also <laughs> sounds like my nightmares. Oh God! I'm glad we didn't do uh, uh, Chuck Norris's kiss because we'd all have to like have a shower after each podcast and feel really bad about ourselves. You don't. Whatever else. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, whatever else Nicholas Cage is, at least he isn't a piece of shit like Chuck Norris. You know, on the shower, like, note, real life Chuck gasoline Norris. Gasoline costs a lot, and I can't keep taking showers in it, but I have to. Oh, you only shower in the gasoline? You don't do shots of it? <laughs> no, no. I just use the uh, coconut milk for that. Sadly, Ooh, I'm at that point in my life. God, I'm alone. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> how so about that no, fast times though? <laughs> <laughs> No, I I, I, I I had not seen this movie since 2000. I think I was literally 18 the last time I saw this movie. Oh, wow. Um, 
And and when I saw it, I, I never thought it was a bad movie. I was thought like, yeah, you know, pretty standard, you know, 80s kind of teen comedy thing, you know, like, and I never thought like too much of it. But like, I've spent the last, uh, you know, I guess 19 years now watching movies that were much worse than this. So it's improved greatly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, if you're used to watching just utter complete shit and. Yeah, it's, you can start to appreciate other things. Well, sometimes, you, you know, like now, to be fair, mm-hmm. I honestly do seek out bad movies quite a lot of the time. But, Likewise. but watching I mean, bad movies college years, isn't right? really <laughs> necessarily about a choice, though. It's like if you watch enough movies, inevitably, you're going to run out of good ones. Yeah, which kind of brings me back to something that really just bothered the fuck out of me with Best of Times is Nick Cage okay. trying to give a serious talk about this is our life now. We have to think about war because it's going to take away four years of my life and that's going to really ruin things. And then goes yeah. from that serious moment to, yeah, just tell a girl you're shipping out and she'll totally fuck the shit out of you. It's like, yeah, he had, a, he had a moment there. It was almost it was almost a for real kind of PSA teen drama thing. And then it completely wrecked. It, it was almost something he touched on called acting. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you see him there, you know, with his uh, typical Coppola enthusiasm, you know, yeah, which again makes me think this was just a reel for them saying, hi, I want to be an actor. Please hire me. And for two of them, it totally worked out. Too bad about the rest of them. Yeah. Like uh, Kevin Cortez, who's frozen on my screen right now, being the John Denver looking kid in the glasses. Like, he wasn't bad. He could have done things. With a C who never gets laid. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He he asked the telephone operator. She's like, deposit 25 cents. He's like, hey, operator. Well, I was wondering if you'd want to go to a dance. And she hangs up on him. He's like, does that mean I get to keep my quarter? But he's not desperate because he was offered a dance with a 10 year old. He's like, fuck you. <laughs> he has standards. Oh, Jerry Seinfeld points avoided. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the 80s. But I think there was a solid second there where he was thinking about it. Yeah. That's a. Yeah, well, you know, that's a, that's a, you know, that's kind, of, that's kind of a decent gag, though. Oh my god, you're a 10? Oh, you are 10. Wah, wah. <laughs> 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 well, it's, uh, yeah. How do so, you... um, sorry. Oh, well, I was just gonna add as well that I've never in my life known until this show showed me that buying jeans in the '80s was sexier than it is today by far. Yeah, apparently you just go to the jeans store with your whole bunch of female friends, and they all try on tight, tight jeans, and then they molest Cr- Crispin Glover. Yeah, oh, which is on what a cowboy I meant. Hat. Every time I Joan try on some Arizona jeans, there's Crispin Glover trying them on, just smiling like you wish you were me, and he's getting felt up by everyone in the mall. Yeah. That's what I hate about going to the mall, is that you're obligated as a woman to go find Crispin Glover. Yeah, he's like, come on, it's guys. It's so tiring, Again, too. Really? When you do all those dance numbers, you know, every time you go to the mall. <laughs> yeah, you gotta do your cardio. Which, uh, Dream maker, don't you mess around? There's three pentatars at Fridgemont High. Yeah, and on the upside, Fast Times at Richmond High did not have nearly the amount of Dutch angles or overalls, let alone suspenders, that Best of Times had. I appreciate their restraint, yeah. Yeah, it was starting to look like an Oshkosh Bagosh ad. They had Tom Petty in the Heartbreakers, American Girl. Therefore, Silence of the Lambs is a sequel to Fast Times at Ridgemont High. The proof is irrefutable. 
I would not debate that. And it closed with Oingo Boingo's goodbye goodbye. That's no, true. Yeah, no, and there's uh, and 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 you get uh, you you get some uh, freaking what's his name from the Eagles there. Um, I know what's his name from the Eagles doesn't narrow it down because they all had solo careers. No, and I can't help only name that's coming to mind, and I don't want any shit for it is Dan Hammond. No, it was it was Joe Walsh. It was Joe Walsh. Like, don't let nobody tell you that there's nothing to do. It was a lesser Joe Walsh. Um, and and and, uh, and of course, everybody everybody remembers the the scene with with the with Phoebe Cates there and uh, Judge Reinhold with the with the moving in stereo by the cars, where she's you know getting out of the pool and he's fapping. Oh, I thought you were going to mention when she caught him jerking yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. No, apparently, fun fact though, when he did that scene, he, he was, was really using a large dildo. No, ah. he, no, he didn't have his dick out. He had a huge dildo. So apparently, and, and she saw it, and apparently her reaction is, quote, genuine. Like, that's a look of revulsion. <laughs> I don't know why you'd have a look of revulsion when presented with a magnificent dildo, but, you know, apparently that's how she rolls. You know? <laughs> but does um, that mean he carries the dildo with him where he goes? Well, yeah, no, you, you, you know, you'd store it in the natural place, you know, so the people Inside will look it. down there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <In the natural laughs> <place. laughs> Hold on, stop walking. I gotta wait a little bit. Hold on. Oh, I, I can't right now. Yeah. Shouldn't have farted. Shouldn't have farted. It's called <laughs> acting. And that's right. In the last reel, it's not on camera, but it falls back out of him. And and then Sean Penn in character says, All right, Hamilton. That might explain awesome. why his part was cut so short in Gremlins. <laughs> That's got to be 10 inches if it's an inch, man. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you guys just aren't familiar with the art of acting. Or oh, yeah, anal I heard about, uh, about Ray Walston there, who plays Mr. Hand. I think Ray Walston is an underappreciated character actor, you know, yeah, for your generation true. and mine, yeah. you know. Uh, the first thing I ever saw him in was when I was a little kid. He played one of the henchmen in Silver Streak with uh, Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. Yeah, he's he's the one who's not Richard Keel. <laughs> you know, originally he was supposed to be played by um, uh, what's his tits who played uh, Herman Munster. Oh my god! Oh no, kidding! Yeah, well, you know yeah. he actually did wow. get a few roles by being like a last minute replacement. He was kind of like a male Janus rule because he was in Billy Wilder's <laughs> "Kiss Me Stupid" with Dean Martin playing Dean Martin. Because he plays the jealous husband who's always wearing the Beethoven T-shirts and who's a piano teacher and thinks everybody's trying to ball his wife. That role originally went to Peter Sellers, but Peter Sellers had to be taken off the production because he had a series of elaborate heart attacks. He had, and I'm not exaggerating, 13 heart attacks in a row. Jesus. Yeah. 13 Almost freaking bad. heart attacks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and somehow lived another uh, 15 years after that. Uh, so Walston was brought in, and I think Walston's great. Like, he also he also uh, played Mr. Applegate, who was the devil in Damn Yankees. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Which was yeah, one of yeah. his earliest roles, and he appears old even then, so I guess he just always looked like that. He's like John Carradine or something. <laughs> Except he didn't die from autoerotic asphyxiation. <laughs> oh, come or on now, he? that was David. <laughs> it was David, <laughs> man. David. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, one of these days you're going to be saying something like that, and then Keith Carradine's going to turn around, and I was like, I hope you don't mean that. That well, was my brother. I'm glad brother, you said that instead of me. one of these days you're going to say that while you're performing autoerotic asphyxiation. Well, that's all I think about when I'm performing <laughs> autoerotic asphyxiation, but that's another matter. It's like, oh my god, dude, Carradine died doing this. Oh my god, I could die. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> 
then I he as the light leaves your eyes, he appears to you. He's like, "Welcome to the club." <laughs> I I can't watch Death Race two thousand without just completing. You know, it's like that oh wasn't God, Death Race. I can't how we died. <laughs> I, uh, no, no, no exaggeration, though. Uh, I spent much of last week watching the original Kung Fu TV series by choice. When, by choice, uh, which has nothing at all to do with Nicolas Cage. Yeah, well, that's kind of Fast Times at Richmond High, too. Yeah, which which is which is fine, you know. Like 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 whether or not he'd been in that movie. I mean, it's, it's a pretty sweet movie. Yeah, but again, his performance was like Vader before they had to actually voice him saying no to the Emperor and to killing his son. He just had nothing to do but look, stare intently, and you got it. Yeah, no, he's got that. He's got that intense stare. You know, it's like kind of like they got the eye circles. You know, it's like yeah, freaking out the the uh, casting director right now. My performance is just too dark. Yeah. So as it turns out, it's Fred Gwynn. Who played Fred oh, Gwynn, that's his Munster. name. Yeah, that would have been a very uh, different movie if Fred Gwynn had showed up in Spicoli's bedroom. Was like, I know. Uh, we're gonna <laughs> run some. Uh, we're gonna run about the battery amendment right now. Yeah, we're gonna uh, talk about uh, yeah the American Revolution. And by Sometimes the way, uh, status battle. Nobody goes on that road no more. The Solomon Hot Stonia. Every time I want to go a exactly. down Easter accent, Fred Gwynn's the one I go to. Right. Yeah. And again, a different Apparently, time. You had a, a kid. A lot of people in Maine don't even talk <laughs> like that anymore. Like, no. what the hell? Don't they know that that's what Pepperidge Farms is? Yes. But again, it's like, look at this time. You had a girl with a picture of her fucking teacher by her bedside. And then in Fast Times, you have parents not giving a shit that an old teacher is coming over. Like, I want to talk to your son in his oh, room God. alone I for a couple hours. Just brother, shut the door. The well, yeah, no, because you know there was no such thing as molestation back then. You know, you just say you had a funny uncle. You know? Yeah, you just had uh ohs. Uh, Dad mean, says you're you gonna be late again. You bought the documentary conducted in plain sight. <laughs> that, that, I'd like to say a word right now that John Walsh is a psychopath and he's contributed nothing positive to society. Oh. <laughs> Come at us, John Walsh. Yeah, yeah, come and get me, you son of a bitch. How old <laughs> are they now? <laughs> if he's not dead yet, he should be working on it by now. Just saying. Well, get busy or die trying. I'd like to take. A I just moment remember to when I was a little kid in the eighties. Not reflect ours. <laughs> when I was a little kid in the eighties, America's Most Wanted would come on, and I'd be really disappointed that it wasn't Unsolved Mysteries with Robert Stack. I can I'm understand that. Is, yeah, you know, like, like, cause Unsolved Mysteries had all that variety and all that random stuff and you get weird con artists and stuff. And, and on, uh, you know, on America's Most Wanted, it's like, he might have diddled a little kid and held up a bank. This is what he'd look like if he grew a mustache. We count <laughs> you to call in. Yeah. So back to Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> this is what Nicolas Cage would look like if he grew a mustache. We, which we, we find out if you watch his movie, The Trust. <laughs> With uh, Best of Times, did you guys have like the that horrible incident where you couldn't get the goddamn theme song out of your head? I didn't. I even don't know remember there was. the theme music right now. Now I'm going to be honest. Uh, ever, ever since I started watching it, I just kept thinking about that Sticks song, which is also called "The Best of Times," but it's good, so it wasn't in "The Best of Times." <laughs> the best of 
times. Oh, God. It kept, I, like, I, I don't know. It, it, it's just like one of those songs that you hear just a couple seconds of it, and it, it's it's god-awful, but it gets stuck in your head. And and next thing you know, like, you're spending all day just, like, with it on loop in your head. Like that song and about then, the weekend? You know? Why does our Monday ever have to come? And they're and they're and, racing know, like, around in the stock cars, and the cop pulls over Nicolas Cage. I'm just a nerd. All I could think about was Leonard Nimoy in the uh, Star Trek Three, I think it was, and he gifted Shatner the book. He's like the best of times, the worst of times. It's like, Truly, the best of times. It's like no, no, I'm conscious no of it wasn't Mr. Nimoy. No. <laughs> I don't, well, I don't know. That that was that was Star Trek too. I mean, that really was the best of times. Oh, yeah, right. Because was. Was mm-hmm. remember, he's hardly in three. He's mostly directing it. You know. Yeah. There's a your name is Jim. <laughs> the ship out of danger. Yes. Did I pawn far with that chick? <laughs> well, that was nice, but you got to be going. That I I don't know if it's just because it's you just get a snippet of the horrible theme song. But it's just one of those songs. That's the worst. Like, That's a guaranteed way to get something stuck in your head is yeah. you could just hear like five or six seconds of it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just going on and on in your head through, you know, like on loop through the whole fucking day. And then next thing you know, it's been a couple of weeks and it's still playing. And the next thing you know, you're at work and your boss is saying that he's worried because you're not as focused as you used to be and what's going on. And the next thing you know, you're getting fired. You're strangling a sea you know, lion. Like, your sea line and 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 next thing you know your spouse is like i feel like we don't have the same connection anymore and why aren't we intimate anymore and then you wake you up always... and you're in a payless and you're stiffing a pair of shoes somebody else just tried on you're smothering and yourself in you peanut know, butter you're getting served divorce papers and next thing you know you your child is saying like i want to live with the other parent now because you're just never here you never read stories to me anymore which is something none of us know anything about because we're all 24 and we haven't had any of these experiences as of yet exactly (laughs) next thing you know you're you've got a drink in your hand and you're like where the hell did this come from and then you're looking around at you like with all the empty cans and you're like where did these all come from and then some old guy opens up his golf bag and says so what so let's dance. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't my beautiful house. This isn't my beautiful wife. And next thing you know, you're like, why was he walking at that time of night on a bridge? He wanted to get hit. He wanted to get hit. And, and then you're just trying to sleep when it's time for lights out. And you're just closing your eyes thinking, will I actually dream? Well, but you also have to ask yourself, I mean, is there going to be a war? You know, this Probably. military buildup, like, what if we go to war with, like, El Salvador or someplace? And why don't we go to war with, like, the French Riviera? Yeah. You know, it's nice. Yeah. What about that, Dad? I have this bicep. You want me to go get killed, Dad, because I have a bicep? Are you jealous of me, Dad? Yeah. Oh, man. What about when you were in combat? Why don't you talk about that? You're making Mom cry. <laughs> also, I can get sex on some girl if I bring up this very topic. I'm a man in short shorts. Oh, God. Well, he is. He's wearing Daisy man. Dukes. 
So well, yeah, no, exactly. Like he's an eighties man. He's not ashamed to cry. <laughs> no. and it doesn't matter what he's wearing because that just proves that he's that much more a man. That's true. Tears are just weakness need... leaving the body. That's right. <laughs> so well, for, you know, uh, we're done that though. Face off segment. How do you think these uh, these could have uh, these movies or the movie and the show could have improved or who could have done it better or who did do it better? What do you guys By think? By never having done the show. <laughs> fair, fair. The best of times probably should not have happened. Um, I imagine if they hadn't got caged, they would have got one of those up and coming stars who like girls had on posters and was on Tiger Beat for five minutes and that we haven't heard of now. Yeah. Like that Leaf Garrett yeah. guy or somebody. I submit to you that Best of Times would have been better if Nick Cage had been played by... David Hasselhoff? I was thinking Madeline Kahn. Well, (laughs) (laughs) Did you see Rocky? (laughs) He just kept hitting it. And And then he had blood all over his knuckles. (laughs) Exactly. Yes, let's be honest. And uh, besides that, I think that Fast Times would have. I think the only person who could have done it better, his character is Brad's blood, yeah. would have been. Um, I, I'm gonna go with uh, um, Alan Rickman. Well, oh, most definitely. I mean, he's got the depressed fuck like my 35. life look. Most assuredly, you are a homo. How? <laughs> <laughs> Like, I wish I could be like Brad and leave this place behind. (laughs) Hope you had a hell of a piss, Arnold. (laughs) Honestly, though, I mean, best of times, and this is not bullshitting either, it kind of reminds me of Rudy Ray Moore's Disco Godfather, where if this show had come out a lot sooner, when these type of things were more popular, maybe it would have sadly had a chance. But yeah, it was like just done at a time when so. these type of things yeah. were dying out. And that's exactly what happened right. with Disco Godfather. Where it's like, hey, we're still doing disco clubs while disco clubs are being closed down and no one gave a shit anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. You, do you remember the original Prom Night with Jamie Lee Curtis from 82? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a very, very 70s movie. You know, like they got they got, they got got the 70s vans with the shag rugs, you know, and they're wearing the tuxes with those weird frilly silk shirts. Oh, yeah. You know? Like it, it was, it was like it was, it was so popular that it was about not to be done anymore. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's kind of like watching a time capsule. This is like before the '80s became the awesome nostalgia that most people nowadays right. look at it for, forgetting well, about Reagan way- and AIDS and just looking right. at the fun stuff. I mean, if you look at media for most decades, though, it's pretty much the decade before until about the fourth year. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because like if you look at anything in the in the 1960s from before Kennedy's head got blown off. It, the, the shit's really fifties. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, um, you know, and and uh, and uh, you know, like like the nineteen nineties, a, a decade that we apparently have something to do with. You know, yeah. <laughs> like you 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 have some you still have some like really deeply nineteen eighties style stuff as late as ninety three somehow. Yeah. But as far as who could have done his part better and say Fast Times, I. Jackie Gleason. <laughs> oh yeah, well yeah. In terms of like all the all the emotion and, and nuance that he brings to the role, you could have had Kane Hodder there yes. uh, playing him. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, um, yeah. throwing um, some you know. kid's head into a deep fryer. No one giving two shits. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or uh, uh, whoever was stunt double for Robert England. Um. Yeah. What was Steve Gutenberg doing at the time? What was the Goots what doing? What about Steve Buscemi? Uh, I think 81 is when we got the first Police Academy, so he may already have been too big a star. Yeah. <laughs> if you want somebody whose career was quickly nosediving, you could have got Robert Hayes. Yeah. Robert Stack. Mr. Foley. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I would have killed for Mr. Furry being in that. Wearing an ascot working the deep fryer. Oh my god. You're that could have been anybody back there. <laughs> I, I I have to say, by the way, I love I love the character arc of, of uh Judge Reinhold there as as Brad Hamilton. You know, with the, the with the bit where he's like he's cock of the walk, you oh, know, because yeah. he, he's he's because he, he works at All America Burger and can get other people hired there. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna have the epic senior year and dump his girlfriend so he can be free, that and then ultimately epic, loses yeah. the All America Burger job in a scene that we can all relate to. You know? <laughs> oh, God, his yeah, girlfriend dump, preemptively dumps him. <laughs> he has that terrible job at uh, Captain Hook Fish and Chips, or you know, aka Long John Silver's in real life. You know, yeah, no relation. And and then and then and then he's rock bottom working at a Seven Eleven or a Circle K or whatever. And 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 then and then only redeems himself by throwing coffee on a guy who's trying to rob the place. And then is probably fired because of doing <laughs> so. <laughs> You know, that's that's a funny thing that actually relates to real life retail experience that I have had. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, when I worked when I worked briefly at Walgreens, I worked at Walgreens for two and a half years. Um, and when I first got hired there, they're very much pushing the company's official policy that if somebody waves a gun in your face, don't get your face blown off. Just give them the money. You know, yeah. uh, open the register, tell them about how they're how you are opening the register so they don't flip out and shoot you and just give them the damn money. You know, I mean, why wouldn't you? Yeah, no, exactly. It's just like it's like it's like, you know, like they don't want to get sued for you getting killed. Just give them the money. Odds are there isn't that much money in the register anyway. And then partway through my time, there was the incident in Texas where uh, somebody shot up the place and a pharmacist had his own personal gun along because it's Texas and fired back at the guy. And uh, the pharmacist, of course, was subsequently fired and then sued the company. (laughs) <laughs> and they must have done a thing where they settled out of court because after that, Walgreens' official policy was, yeah, if you think you can take them, take them. Yeah, now see, the that's policy a... was suddenly like, don't give them the money. If you really think you can fight them, fight them. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like no, I'm not going to fight them. I'm going to give them the damn money. That's not my money. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> it's like I sell people cigarettes and develop their crappy photos. I don't fight guys. <laughs> yeah. See, that, have the money. that is a movie right there. And if you could, you could take the whole thing, turn it into a movie about a guy who's just down and out on his luck. He's been out of all these jobs and he's been fired from one. He's been working at for 15 years. Enter in Nicolas Cage, down and out, working in retail. Judge Reinhold is his boss and telling him that you can't attack these people. You just give them their money. And he has a total falling down moment where he just breaks loose and loses his shit. And going back to what we referenced earlier with Judge Reinhold and a dildo, finds said dildo and starts assaulting the people, robbing the store, and gets shot down in, by police in a huge Nick Cage field rage at the end of the film. Oh, yeah, no, and then you get the dildo slowly dropping out of his hand and landing on the floor after Robert Duvall has just shot him and he's like, I'm the bad guy. 
How did yeah. that happen? Or it could be like a whole, oh god, like Citizen Kane. Instead of Rosebud, he just says dildo. Dildo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dildo. Rosebud. Oh yes, they call him the dildo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there uh, it is. I think we uh, just solved uh, solved both uh, pieces. Yeah, there you yeah, go. No, right? that's, it was, we now know the riddle of Nicolas Cage. It is dildo. It um, is. And and uh, now we we uh, spiritually understand the epic start to a career that has gone on for a long 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 time everything has so been coming to this, this moment with some cagey wisdom yeah we need some cagey wisdoms right now apparently that's what we're good at yes <laughs> i don't i don't know if i'd say good um oh yeah we're great at it please don't take our advice i did say this we aren't experts <laughs> <laughs> except that we are except we are we're totally experts yeah. um at watching nicholas cage movies let me finish my drink here. Right. That's a good idea. Totally experts. Uh, okay, so we did actually have somebody write in. Holy crap. Hi, guys. I could use some help. Right, my children are real well. disappointments. They're grown-ass adults, and neither of them work. How do I tell them to grow up and do something with their lives other than drink, talk about movies, and complain how they should have been a star? You gutter skank. Oh, yeah. Congrats on your radio program, Mom. Oh. Hi, Mom. You're, you're not a gutter skank. Huh? I'm not related to either of you. <laughs> well, My mom, mom is proud of me. It said Nick Cage. <laughs> mom, if that indeed is your name. <laughs> I think that as, um, as his character in uh, Fast Times... He probably recommend that you put a sign on your children's back saying that they're a homo. But, yeah, but you know, I feel like that doesn't really work in uh, nowadays. In 2019. Yeah, so he'd probably suggest is that, that is they get a job working like at a burger joint or, or something. Or IKEA. Or an IKEA. Does telling somebody to do? get a job work in 2019 either? I feel no. like the, you, you say you tell someone to get a job, and then an SAW sl- slaps you and says "classist." Yeah, you say SAW. We, we don't do jobs. We just take adult classes at night. Right. Yeah. No. Yes. Um. Unless the speaker uh, accidentally said something like "rule of thumb," and then we pull the fire alarm on them and walk out. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Even though rule of thumb has been proven to have nothing to do with wife beating. <sighs> Well, the first character in Best of Times would probably tell you that it's it's not fair because, I mean, they're not offering jobs in somewhere where we want to work, like the like, French Riviera or, or Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, he would also tell you that uh, the wife made that decision because she looked at his muscles and decided it was all worthwhile. That's true. Yeah. What? <laughs> I said that a lot watching that movie. I just take a feminist reading of everything because I, in addition to watching Nicolas Cage movies, I've also watched a lot of Lifetime movies oh, and drank God. a lot of Boone's Farm with Linda. Yeah, good times. Yeah, I wasn't allowed so to watch that. feminist reading is that those victims in Friday the 13th allowed themselves to be stabbed because they felt they, they were empowered by that. Sure, that works. 
And uh, those girls in uh, the best of times don't have to prove anything to our hollow masculine judgments, because if they choose to use their feminine power to put on makeup in front of a mirror and talk about driving to San Diego with boys and seeing their penises, we can't judge them for that. Strang- yeah, fuck the patriarchy. Strangling a sea lion and making direct eye contact just to see their eyes go glossy is perfectly fine. It's what I do with my victims. Yeah. I choose to say they're not victims. They were chosen. <laughs> you Please? and I, only we could be. <laughs> I like your place, Brenda. So there you go. Uh, your advice is to be thankful that your children aren't serial killers. Or that we yep. put you in a home. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. <laughs> Keep giving us gifts. Yeah, podcast! Uh, So with that... Yes. I think we're good. And Uh, next week we're going to be doing Valley Girl. How do people contact us, maybe? Oh yeah, what's the name of that website uh, that they need to tell their problems to so we can uh, make fun of their problems? You mean the website that you're paying for and that we should be advertising? What you do is I want you to go to the beach, get a shell... And whisper your secrets into the shell. Well, I'll promote myself. Uh, you, you could find me on YouTube as A.A. Smith, in which I review books and not Nicolas Cage movies, but that could change. And you can find me on DeviantArt for my really, really gay stuff under uh, Leo the Fox. But how gay? It's pretty gay. Like, right. it's shiny rainbows that can fly gay. Oh, well, I am on Instagram, but I don't want you people following me there. But you can Come find on, me on Twitter top. under Unreal Goals. <clears throat> yeah, right. You and the president. You people, what's that supposed to mean? <laughs> Those people know exactly <laughs> what it means. I also have a Tumblr because I have nothing else better to do with my life. But again, you're not going to follow me there. I have Tumblr, but I'll never use it again when it stopped being Cumbler. Yo. Yeah, I'm hungry to my tumblers. We're, we're uh, still pretty you, hit Dr. by Phil, that the porn person, Linda, where do we find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Dr. Phil Ate My Baby. It's D R P H I L, the number eight, my baby. And uh, you can also find Cage's Kiss at Cage's Kiss. It's really imaginative. Or you can email us. Please email us uh, any stories of Nick Cage you have from uh, experiencing him in the wild. Tell us your problems that won't make us sad. Yes, please. No bummers. Uh, If you have any real-life situations where you would like some cagey wisdom, uh, please bear in mind that we are very much not to be trusted. And don't forget, if Nicholas Cage appeared in your nightmares, we want to hear about that, too, because it happened to Linda. It's still happening. (laughs) He just won't leave. You can write to us at cageskiss at gmail.com or you can go to our website at www.cageskiss.com. Please send us more whiskey. And in closing, something I would like to mention really, really quick. If you're looking to experience Nick Cage in the wild, I have been told if you live in the Las Vegas area, he is a frequent person to visit Trader Joe's. Like, religiously lives at Trader Joe's. I wonder if he likes I mean, it's all about that guacamole, man. I would not be surprised if he wasn't dipping his finger in all the guacamole. 
put his entire head in. Looks to clean and puts it in again. Yeah. Oh, also, you can find us at Cage's Kiss on Facebook as well. But please don't find any of us. Just find the Cage's Kiss. We we need this. Please. And we can discuss Please. that time where he was in a bar brawl and uh, he ruptured a guy's jugular vein with a broken off brandy glass and got away with it. Allegedly. Maximum violence Allegedly. immediately. Yes. But yes, please support us. We, Our mother wants us to work. We, we need this. This is our version of work. Yes. Please. Please. And this is your Cage's Kiss kiss-off. Cage. I could eat a page for hours. Please. Kiss me.